listening to Totally Pro League. This is hockey. Welcome once again to Totally Pro League. My name's John Lee, your host. A very uh, time poor John Lee at the moment, trying to keep up with all of these games that are going on all across the globe. The body clock is completely thrown out. It's my pleasure to join me as my co-host this week, a gentleman who's an accredited FIH coach. He's been coaching around Belgium and the Netherlands, and he's also the founder of Self Pass, Bernardo Fernandez. Bernardo, welcome. Hey John, uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me and for having me once again. I remember that we had a, a podcast it was a while ago, I think, uh, two years or something yeah. like that. Yeah, wow. Well. Yeah, while ago, while ago. Yeah, thank you for having me and I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm honored to be in your podcast. <laughs> oh, well, it's nice to have a European voice actually. You're the first European in inverted commas. We've, <laughs> if you don't, if you consider Brexit and all that sort of stuff. All the rest of it in English. Um, it, it's, no, I'm full European. It, 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 we got to get your um, your thoughts on the Pro League and uh, how you see it progressing, etc. But first of all, let's get into the games from the weekend. There was only three games played, and uh, we found ourselves on Saturday down in Argentina once again at Estadio Mundialista in Rosario. Whoops, that's the wrong. No, that's the right. That's the right. Yeah, I've got that's them printed the right back to back, and I'm not sure. no, that's the right one. And it's uh, Argentina taking on Great Britain. Both the men and the women played down there, and uh, the day kicked off um, with the, the men getting things underway at 3:30 p.m. And uh, well, I don't think it was a result anybody expected. It ended up being a 5-1 victory to Great Britain. Um, quarter time, the scores are a nil all, and it was heading into what we all thought was going to be a really tight contest, but Great Britain turned on the forward power, Bernardo, and uh, they slotted some pretty good goals. Yeah, uh, well, um, to be honest with you, this was the, the only match that I could uh, watch uh, partly, because I was in, in a coaching course in, in Scotland, and uh, we, we we were able to watch uh, the first half, actually, and, and I agree with you, I think, uh, uh, beforehand, nobody expected such a inflated score. But if you watch the if you watch the the, the match uh, and if you consider a little bit uh, the stage of both teams, um, it is it is possible that this result uh, happened. I mean, uh, Argentina is in a, in a transition period, trying to still find their identity. Uh, trying to find a better flow in their game after several years uh, using, uh, uh, let's say, a different style of game. Very competent, though, but a style of the game that was very direct, that was very much uh, supported by a very experienced uh, defensive uh, structure. But some key players uh, retired. Some key players are not uh, playing during the, this uh, pro league. So there, there's a lot to to look into. Um, and in the other hand, GB, I think. Uh, so for what I, I saw, really impressed me that, that their ball possession quality, the way they were so easily uh, 
connecting with each other. And if you look, they have a really nice group of players. They have guys like Sam Ward, uh, Dixon, Forsyth, and, and some young talents like Wallace and, and Ansel. And added to that, I think there's, they have also very experienced and balanced uh, coaching staff with uh, Danny Carey and Quan Brown and also Russell uh, Garcia. So, yeah, I think GB uh, is, is a very strong team and, and it should be, I think, because I think if you look to the, the previous couple of years, I think GB uh, misperformed or underperformed a little bit. So now I think it's, it's about time to, to have a strong GB in the, in the, in the world map. Yeah. Yeah, you, you mentioned Alan Forsyth there. I was going to mention him a little bit later. We'll get, get to him okay. personally, but, um, also Quan Brown, who actually spent yeah. a bit of time at our club down here in Fremantle, was, um, okay. very fondly remembered from his time there. And it was good to see him being, he's, he's listed as the coach, coach there. Uh, and he's obviously away. I'm not sure why he wasn't there on that particular occasion or listed as coach, but, you know, opportunities for a guy that, Hasn't come through a, a large national setup such as the great, you know, he's, he's come from Trinidad and Tobago and he's, he's mm-hmm. on the world stage in one of the world's best teams. Yeah, sure. Well, I don't know him personally, but I, I follow a little bit his, his, his path as, as a player and as a, as a coach. And I think, as you say, and I think it's, uh, he has a very uh, rich, uh, Background he has a very rich, uh, let's say, um, backpack with different with different experience and different uh, environments. Uh, he has a very strong indoor uh, culture and knowledge. Uh, so, and and he's also a, a person that knows a lot about uh, technical uh, details and, and creative creativity. So, I think he's he's good in in, in the British system to have someone that can refresh uh, a little bit their their previous style that very that was very much about structure and and a more passing style and, and a very uh, and a smash style sometimes <laughs> very much about athleticism but I think the modern hockey requires uh, some different uh, components so. So it's it's really uh, fun to to watch uh, in, uh, GB now to have a couple of creative players and and I think that reflects in the in the flow of their game uh, at least from the first half uh, that I watched and now that I watched the, the highlights so I try to do my homework to to talk here with you um, but yeah I think very interesting group of players also also a good um, maturity period for a couple of the key players. So yeah, I think GB has all the ingredients to 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 be in the top. Also, also world class goalkeeper. So let's see what what comes what comes out in the, in the coming weeks, months. Now the second game played later that same day at Estadio Mundialista uh, was yeah. the women's match at 6 p.m. local time there in Argentina, and in mm-hmm. some ways it was a, a reverse of the match that had gone on earlier. The Argentinians taking that one out 4-2 and. After once again a scoreless first quarter, and if you look at the teams, uh, perhaps you could even apply the the same theory that Argentina are, are yeah. pretty solid there with the yeah. great players team, and the Great Britain team is the women's team is the one that's rebuilding. Yeah, sure. I think it's it's a good uh, 
comparison you're doing because uh, we are talking about teams that are in a different uh, state of maturity of development if you want to, to call it um, GB uh, it's still trying to to find their identity after the the, the Olympics with a couple of uh, players uh, retiring or a couple of players in transition a new coach a coach coming in uh, we must not forget that the team that won the, the Olympics was, was a fantastic group of, of individuals with a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sure, it still came out as a surprise that they were able to, to win the goal, but in the other hand, uh, it was a very competent and a very experienced team. Uh, in the other hand, Argentina, it is... Uh, is a super team. Uh, I think uh, it is a mixture of two very, very strong generations. So the generations that uh, uh, that is now 22, 23 years old. So the younger generation. And now what you see is with the return of some, um, let's call it more veteran players or more experienced players like Charo Lucetti and Piti Delia and Carla Rebecchi. Um, there is a, a fantastic mix in the team, and uh, Argentina is always very strong in the women. But I think this this might be one of the strongest uh, generations in, in the last year. So, uh, aside to that, of course, you have the return from Retegi uh, uh, as the coach, which is, uh, like it or not, a very competent uh, coach and a coach that knows what takes. Uh, uh, what what the team needs to win or to perform in, a, to, in order to, to win or to be in the final. So, yeah, very different stages uh, in, in both teams. Yeah. And that's reflected in, in the scoreboard, I think. Now, basically, basically it was uh, Argentina took the lead and uh, you see that the... Um, so there was the first goal, was, was a, a really nice backhand from... Uh, Juli Rancunas, that is one of the, 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 the youngsters, the attackers from Argentina. Yeah. Um, and, and then there was a 1-1 a uh, result of a, a PC from uh, GB, which is, uh, if you re-watch re the match or the highlights, it comes, it, Argentina has a very strange, <laughs> to say at least, defensive uh, uh, strategy in their penalty corner so with one player totally blocking the, the, the vision from the goalkeeper yeah. and and then 2-1 again a, a fantastic backhand shot from uh, Rancunas again and then the 3-1 the 4-1 and the 4-2 yeah. Yeah, there, uh, there was a couple of very funny defensive things going on and one of them occurred in the, uh, the, the next game the final game for the weekend which was played on the 7th of April now, you've spent some time in Belgium, Bernardo. Royal yes. Arkel Sports, is that how it's pronounced? Arkel, yeah, Royal Arkel Sports. I got it right. Yeah. Although it could be yeah. some funny Useli or something, but it's Arkel I'll go with. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's China and Belgium. The game got underway at 3.30pm on the Sunday. And, uh, well, I, I don't think Belgium were ever threatened in this game at all. It's... Um, I've been very bullish on the Chinese and I, I think there's uh, a lot of upside to the way they go about it but obviously there's a lot of improvement and I still feel they play quite naively the the Belgium girls they've they've got a really good hockey brain and they just think themselves <laughs> through situations very well 
Yeah, well, uh, um, I, I, I need to be, be honest. I, I only uh, watched the, the highlights, so I don't have the, really the full um, uh, picture of the match. But to 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 be honest, uh, if you watch the, the highlights, China started uh, very strong in the match. We're having a couple of opportunities. Mm. But uh, I think eventually the quality uh, of, of Belgium came through. I think maybe the fact that playing at home also helps. But uh, Belgium is doing a great, great pro league. Yeah. So uh, in, in the women's side, is doing a great pro league. To be, they are third in the in the, in the standing. So um, I think it's uh, becoming a very competent uh, team. And Belgium, the the women's team from Belgium, it's. Uh, a good example where the pro league is is a great opportunity for them to develop their international experience and to have the opportunity to play international matches uh, frequently. So uh, it's it's great news for them, and I think you will see the the, the results very uh, very soon. Yeah, it was it was an interesting match I th- I found because I'm trying to keep a close eye on the Chinese, but. Something that did catch my attention was their penalty corner defensive setups. It almost like they concede the penalty, they concede the strike, the first strike. They, they, they put up like an umbrella about two thirds of the way or half the way out to the top of the D and just sat there and waited to see what the Belgians were going to do. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting match to, to analyze from a, a coaching perspective. Let's see because you have, uh, let me check, you have, I think you had three goals out of a penalty corner, uh, two rebounds and one uh, tip in. So, you, you, and, and then, okay, of course, you can, you can, uh, you can comment on Chinese <laughs> defensive strategies. I think it's, uh, I don't want to, to, to say something in, indelicate or, or unpolite, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's a pity that, uh, uh, I don't know why or how, but it, it might be a pity that uh, China didn't uh, build longer with uh, the expertise from Jamilon Mulders because I think he is a great, uh, a great and very experienced coach. So a couple of uh, at least strat- team tactics or strategy-wise, uh, there are definitely a couple of uh, situations here that, at least as a European or as a European coach. Um, I have a different uh, angle or I have different uh, ways to look at it. But uh, still, uh, we cannot forget, John, that China also uh, is is a relatively small hockey country, although uh, players are professionals and I I think they they might train (laughs) harder and longer than than anyone else in the world. Uh, There are some things that... uh, uh, might take time, and, and the fact that they might not have the the the, the best domestic competition, it it is definitely a handicap for for these players. So as much as you try to 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 how do I say as much as you as as much as you try to prepare the team and to have a, n- a nice national training program, uh, I still believe that. Uh, the domestic league experience and the fact that you play regularly week in way out in, in a good competition it's it can only uh, uh, be beneficial for your development also as an international player so I think it's we are talking about different uh, different uh, 
different strengths here, but, but I believe that China has a lot of uh, potential and, and can do something nice in the couple of uh, in the coming years. And I think it will be interesting for for the development of the game because I'm always look. Uh, maybe it's because I, I, I come from Portugal that might be considered a very neutral uh, country in the, in, the, in the world map. I'm always I'm always cheering for the, the, the underdogs or, or or the teams that 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 come from more uh, challenging uh, uh, scenarios. Let's put it like that. So I think it will be really cool if China suddenly become also a, a, a strong hockey country. For sure. Well, let's check the goal scorers now, Bernardo. We've got um, 17 goals scored across three games on the weekend. So uh, if anybody's looking for goal scoring action, we certainly had it this weekend. On the uh, men's side of things, Pal Kamada still, well, he's joined at the top of the table by Phil Roper on five goals. Uh, Pal scored all five from the field. Uh, Phil Roper from Great Britain, he's picked up the one penalty corner goal and four field goals. But after all sure. that, that leaves a total of 127 goals across 23 games at an average of mm-hmm. 5.52 goals per game. And 71% are coming from the field, which is a, a really pleasing stat, that, personally. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, on the women's side of things, Olivia Merry still out on top. She scored eight goals, five from the field, two penalty corners and a stroke. And then Alex Gurniers from Belgium slips into second place on four goals off the back of a hat-trick against the Chinese yes. on the weekend. <laughs> so well done to Alex on the hat-trick. Uh, there's a host of girls on on three goals as well there. Uh, they've scored a total of 102 go- goals. So the ladies have cracked the ton, and that's going at around about 3.4 goals per game there. And they're scoring far less from the field, though, down to 55.8% at the moment um, not sure the point eight means much but I'd like to see them get a few more from the field on the women's side of things I, I was just looking at that at the short corner conversions and thinking of reasons okay. why perhaps men score more than women from the field or less from penalty corners or whichever way around it is and would um, men being able to get out to the top of the D quicker be a factor mm-hmm. in them not being not scoring as much from penalty corners um, I, I mean, I'm, that's just a way out theory. I don't know, but it's yeah, no, so men are scoring a lot less from that, that from penalty corners than women. Fair enough. Um, I think uh, I think you have a fair theory. Uh, if you see now in, in the highest level, even in, in club level, there is the, it is a fact what you're saying. I think the the, the runners are are getting faster, running out. So. Uh, Due to, to improvement of athleticism, but also running techniques and, and uh, analysis, uh, um, analysis from the from the opponent. So I think it is becoming more challenging uh, to, or, or, or let me rephrase: uh, the runners are becoming faster or more more effective for sure. Um, um, do you see? As a consequence uh, of that, there are, there are a lot of uh, uh, now. It's very common that you see a lot of uh, variants to try to misplace the first runner, either either stopper blocking the ball and putting the ball rolling for a drag flick or just uh, a slight step to the left or, or to the to the right. I think if you, if you look to the to the highlights in general, you see that uh, uh, drag flick 
it is not the standard shooting technique in the women's hockey, even if in, even in, in international hockey. So that that for sure must affect that. Uh, how do you say those statistics? So yeah. uh, you see you, now you don't see that many women uh, drag flicking. If you see, for instance, the, the the goals from in the penalty corner from from Belgium woman, you see that was a. Uh, uh, Two rebounds and, and and one tip in, so one deflection of the ball, so no no direct shot. Uh, if you see the goal that was uh, only in the in the in the match, Argentina GB yeah. woman, there was only one goal that was a direct direct flick. So so it is it definitely interesting to look at that and to to understand the differences, uh, not just for the sake of commenting, but also. If you can, if we can, if we are able to translate uh, the statistics and if we are able to understand them, uh, we as coaches can try to 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 implement and to 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 bring that uh, bring that down to our own teams for sure. So I don't know, I, uh, you know, John, to, to to be to be academical about that or to be sure about what I'm talking, we would need to to analyze. Uh, we we would need to analyze. Uh, that accurately, and then we could come up with with some nice theories that for sure that for sure uh, uh, influence uh, influence the, those statistics. Yes. Oh, we'll have yeah. to get hold of a university somewhere and see if we can't get a grant for that one, Bernardo. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's have a look at the uh, the tables now, and we'll start with the uh, we'll start yeah. with the ladies, shall we? And um, well, there's been a bit of change at the top. It's very hard to tell how ch- meaningful that change is at the moment because we're still essentially running under the, the percentage system. But Argentina are the number one ranked team for the women. They've yeah. played nine games, though, so they've had the most opportunity to score points, but they have scored the points that they a lot of points that they could have. They're going at 81.5% for a total of 22 points, which would have put them outright on the points table anyway, regardless of percentage. The Netherlands have slipped down to two, but they've got some games coming up this week. They've only played the five, so they've got a couple in hand yes. yet. Um, yeah for their 12 points but they're going at 80% you keep that going for the whole tournament and you're probably going to make that top four Belgium you mentioned them before and uh, they have made some big strides during this tournament they're into third place still only on the back of five games played so there's plenty left for them there they're running at 66.7% in Australia who haven't played for nearly a month they've dropped back down to fourth place uh, but they've played eight games so um, yeah. <laughs> with a percentage of 58%. So a lot of their games are coming up in Europe. So they've got a, a tough road ahead of them, I think, the Australian girls. Mm-hmm. Then it's New Zealand, Germany, Great Britain, China and the United States. Now, the China and the United States have played a few games. Germany's the interesting one. They've only played four games and uh, mm-hmm. scored the four points. They've only had one win, two shootout losses and a normal loss, which is essentially one win and two draws, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um They'd be uh, they'd be really looking f- to put some points on the board in games upcoming there because I think they had some genuine thoughts that they'd be at the top end of the table come the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, well, I agree with you. It, it is just uh, as you said, it is difficult to to have a to have a fair analysis now because uh, teams have different numbers of matches. But uh, uh, so far, I think. Uh, United States seems a bit disappointing for me, uh, being in the last uh, position, especially uh, considering that this is a kind of competition that uh, for, for which United States 
could be uh, very uh, could be very uh, comfortable, and then I think they could prepare very well for this kind of competition. So I think this is a bit disappointing to see them after six matches in, in the last position. And I think I, I agree with you that okay, now when you look now, Germany is, is also looks to be in the wrong place in, in the standings. Although they only played four matches, so let's see what comes up. Uh, and I would highlight uh, Belgium for sure to be in the third place, uh, which is uh, somehow surprising or not. But uh, if you if you tend to the, to, to the ranking, I think Belgium is a team that is performing the best. Then, uh, to be honest with you, New Zealand, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I didn't follow that much. I, I can imagine that there was. Uh, the situation with changing coaches uh, might have affected a little bit their process. And then I think, of course, Argentina and Netherlands will, will, will stand out uh, in, in this competition and I think in the coming years of, of the, the international uh, scene because um, as much as other teams like Australia and Belgium and, and, and Australia have, of course, a word to say, I think... Uh, if you look to, to the individual uh, capacity from our, both Argentina and the Netherlands, I think they are still uh, uh, one step ahead from from the competition. But again, also, uh, John, to be honest with you, I don't follow uh, women's hockey as much as I follow men's hockey, so I might be able to <laughs> to give you a better uh, <laughs> comment on, on, on the men's side, yeah. Well, let's I hope I didn't disappoint you here. <laughs> no, no, let's get to the men's side now. And um, Still sitting on top, once again, despite not having played for close to a month, the Australian team, um, yeah. they've taken 16 points from their seven games, so they're on 76%. Great Britain have only played the four games, but they're going at 75%, and they're sitting in second place up from third last week. Belgium have slipped down into that third position. Uh, 75%, but they've got a couple of games coming up very uh, across the next couple of days, so that will change. Uh, as Germany have uh, Germany have climbed without playing a game into fourth position, 53.3%, <laughs> and Argentina, due to their loss on the weekend, have uh, <coughs> slipped down a position into fifth. Then it's uh, the Netherlands in sixth position, played five games. Um, they'd be probably be looking to turn it on big time when they get back out on the field. Spain in seventh and New Zealand trailing the pack. New Zealand, I think, will probably stay there. Spain are an interesting team because, uh, you know, you look at their results and there's, there's no wins, but there's yeah. four shootout wins. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's, I think Amazing. people got a bit carried away with Spain. You don't know whether yeah. they're I put it. I put it in the terms of are they? They're not good enough to win, but they're too good to lose. <laughs> uh, I, I watched a couple of matches from Spain, and uh, I know the Spain, uh, the Spanish hockey landscape a little bit. Uh, and I think if you recall the matches that you you watch, uh, Spain always is always dangerous attacking team. Always has some creative creativity. Always threatens and always. Uh, Spain is always able to score and to create dangerous situations for sure. I think it is more in their defensive uh, collective structure uh, that um, something is missing, to be honest with you. I don't think they are so... I think they are a bit fragile to compete in this in this high level. So in the end, you see a team that is able to attack, is able to score, and is able to be exciting because I think we have all watched matches now at the Pro League where Spain 
you will always have the feeling like they are always in the game or something can happen with them. Uh, but if you think about uh, uh, performance or if you, if you think from a high performance perspective, uh, I would say that they need to improve their defensive skills because having a, a top world-class goalkeeper like Kiko Cortes <laughs> might, might be enough to, to win some shootouts, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that if you ask him, he would, he would prefer to have uh, normal wins and to avoid the shootouts than to, 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 to have the need to, to, to be always placed in the situation that he needs to be a, a hero or, or the savior in the end. So that, that would, I, I would comment on, on Spain for sure. <laughs> Totally Pro League with John Lee, and today my co-host is Bernardo Fernandez. And uh, Bernardo, I mentioned, well, we both mentioned Alan Forsyth a bit, bit earlier, and yes. uh, I, I was watching his because I haven't seen a lot of the guy play. I must admit, I know he's been around playing for Scotland, and he's been around for a little bit, but um, not with Great Britain terribly much. And I, I, I was really interested to see him play because I, he's one of those what I think is becoming a rarity in a modern sport, he's almost a single position player and he's good enough to get away with it. Uh, a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, these days when you play modern international hockey, you have to be adaptable. But I think when you get a guy like Alan Forsyth, you go, he doesn't have to be adaptable. He's, he's only going to play there because that's what he's really good at. Um, well, first to comment what you said, I think, uh, Modern hockey, or uh, it is also what you do, or what the strategies you have. I think, um, of course, when you, you see if the trend in modern hockey is, is very much a individual marking in terms of, of the defensive speaking, uh, you you end up having players marking others in, in different areas on the pitch where they might not be so natural. Let's say so. You might have a striker. Uh, in their own in defensive D, following their own marking, and, and because of that, I I would agree with you that you you have you you need to have players that are more flexible or adaptable to different positions. Although uh, I believe that players uh, might have some inner natural uh, abilities, and and you would like them to to try to maximize them. Uh, by having them playing on their natural habitat, so to, to say. And um, uh, Alan is a, uh, it, it, it is, is a, you would say, is a pure striker, but, uh, but don't be fooled by thinking that a pure striker is just someone that shoots on goal, because he is a fantastic player. Uh, I, I think what you said... It is also uh, related with the fact that he plays in, in, in the Premier League for a lot of years, we, where he is being, he's having outstanding performance year after year. Uh, I, I know him personally. Uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a great uh, role model for our sport. I know that he had a lot of uh, uh, approaches to play uh, in different leagues, in top leagues and top teams uh, at the European level, but uh, somehow he, he didn't move. Uh, I think also very much because of his desire to 
to to perform at the GB team. Uh, so I, I'm happy for him, and uh, it is nice when we discover new uh, talents at the interna international scene. And I'm sure that if you keep on following him, you'll be surprised by by some of his special kills, and, and he, he has some natural relationship with, with, with the goal or yeah. with creating goal situations. So he's a very exciting player to, to watch, and I wish him all the best, uh, for sure. Uh, as, a, as a player that has no natural goal-scoring ability whatsoever, um, <laughs> I, to see, I, I really love seeing those players uh, who've yeah. just, just got... And you see them come down through the grades as well. It's something that doesn't disappear with age. A lot yeah. of other skills might tend to drop away a little bit, but yeah, that, yeah. that knack doesn't leave players. Yeah, I, I think it's it's, it's uh, mostly to describe that that, uh, that feeling or instinct you you were talking about. I think has very much to do with uh, positioning and also with with uh, um, knowing uh, or, or imagining where the ball might end. Uh, so uh, you see that with other world-class strikers like Mirko Prasser from uh, Netherlands or Florian Fuchs from, from Germany. And uh, some goals that it is just a tip-in or just a, a simple deflection, we, we might say, ah, but I could do that as well. <laughs> but <laughs> the, 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 the skill that requires to know where you should be at the, the right moment, uh, it is not so easy. Otherwise, you would see that uh, more players would have that, and unfortunately or not, they don't. So, uh, yeah, I think it is always, always kind of players that uh, call the attention. I would also like to mention uh, uh, Brinkman from uh, yeah. Netherlands, uh, because he's, he's a fantastic player, and he's He's a very smart player, and if you see uh, the, 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 in the last couple of years, uh, at least if you see some highlights, or either in Netherlands or in their club competition, he's always a very decisive player. So he might not have the, the PR or the marketing of other players, but I, I would certainly put him among the, the, the best attackers in the world right now. Yeah. Now, while we've got you here, Bernardo, we have to get your feelings on the Pro League, how how yes. you feel that the, the competition's progressing, and also, you know, what you've liked about it, and perhaps something that you haven't liked about it as well. And uh, <laughs> let, let's start with, um, you know, how, what impact have you seen the Pro League have locally and domestically within within the countries you've been in? Um. <clears throat> So uh, I, I think um, it, it, we are still in the initial stage. So we are still trying to to, to find out a little bit what is the the, the dynamic of, of this uh, concept. Uh, I, I've ne to be honest with you, I've watched just a couple of matches, uh, and I didn't watch yet a, a match live at, at the stadium. Uh, but I. I what I could see in the here in the Netherlands and in Belgium is that uh, the the matches were quite crowded, were quite full. So I think that is that must be a positive sign for sure. Um, so um, I think people are, in one hand, excited by the the possibility to to have in a more permanent basis uh, top international matches uh, at home. 
the other end there is of course a feeling of uh, how can I say it uh, a feeling of, of still doubting and still trying to figure it out what pro league is and what pro league and what pro league will be and what is the impact that the pro league has in uh, strong domestic competitions such as in Belgium and in the Netherlands. So I think there, there is a double feeling uh, or there is a mixed feeling in, in supporting and wanting to support but uh, people are still trying to, to figure it out if this is the right thing to do, if this is the right thing to support and if this is sustainable from a financial and, and a logistic uh, point of view. So I think we need to, to give it a little bit more time, although uh, in my opinion, John, we need to, to improve and we need to be able to reflect right now about how can this competition uh, really support and help the global development of the game, because I think that is the main objective from Pro League. And right now, I think we have uh, uh, a lot of challenges to, to, to surpass, a lot of challenges to, to tackle. So I'm trying to be as constructive as possible. <laughs> yes. uh, but I, I also have my doubts. You know, John, I don't know if you, if you want me to, to, to talk a bit further or to give you my opinion about that. But, um, there are a couple of elements here that I... I struggle to, to, to support. If you see that the, this competition requires a huge financial investment from national federations. Um, this is supposed to be a professional league and barely players competing here can have a, a financially uh, compensation of all time they are flying and, and being away from the teams. Also, if you see the, the clubs that provide the players, and I, I can only talk about from a European perspective, the clubs are struggling, and rightfully enough, because they support the players with salaries, with some financial support, and then they see themselves being... Uh, not having their main players uh, for a long period of time. And uh, these clubs are... Uh, we are talking about clubs that have a lot of sponsors' obligations, a lot of financial commitment. So yeah. this is not so easy, you know. And then uh, I, can, I give you an example. Uh, you see, for instance, I give you two countries: Belgium and, and Spain. Their their young national teams, like under 16, under 18, uh, a lot of their training camps, a lot of their traveling are, fin are financed by the players and their parents. Even their clothes are, are financed with their parents and their... And, 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 and that's okay, but then you see their, the, your, your main team, men's or women's team, they are flying around spending maybe millions of, of dollars, of euros. So we need to, to... One, we need to realize if our sport can sustain such a, a competition, or two, if this is really uh, a priority for our sport. We need to adapt in order to to be able to 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 make it. Because right now, and I'm sure I'm talking for a lot of clubs and a lot of national federations, as it stands, 
it is not sustainable. Also because in terms of television rights and in terms of uh, ticketing and merchandising and all possible financial revenues, they are not uh, so strong at the moment as to uh, compensate all the effort and all the investment we are doing as a sport. So, in one hand, I really hope somehow this works out because I'm a bit tired of trial and, and, and error and damage. So, I hope somehow this works out. In the other hand, uh, I think for this to work out, we need to, to, to change some things and I'm sure FIH is, is paying attention to that, to that. I'm sure FIH more than, than anybody wants this to, to work out and I'm also sure that at this point they, they are consulting, uh, national federations and maybe some, some clubs to understand how this can work, work out for, for everyone, but especially for, for the worldwide audience or, or new audiences and new sponsors and, and, and more visibility and more expo exposure. That's what we need uh, for our sport. Uh, look, I, so, yeah. I agree sorry, with you. I, I think that the two biggest issues facing the Pro League are fixturing and funding, essentially, yeah. the two Fs. And um, yeah. it, it's going to be a hard battle to get both of them right, I think. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I understand the struggle, I understand the, the difficulties, but um, and, 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 maybe I, and I don't have all the answers for sure, uh, but um, I think uh, we need to, or maybe reducing the, 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 the international calendar, or finding, or, or finding some ways that we are able to provide uh, this competition, uh, without affecting so much uh, the clubs and ultimately the players because we are asking a huge amount of uh, availability and effort from some of these players uh, that have their club commitments, eventually have uh, some job commitments, eventually family. So right now, we as a sport, we are not professional enough to sustain uh, this competition. Although you can tell me that we can only become more professional if we start to force some tendencies. But maybe it's my taste, but I would like to see uh, a structure in hockey that, that is based upon strong domestic uh, structures more than a top-down structure international, uh, international level. Also because uh, we are all investing as a sport. We are, as a sport, we are investing too much here. We only have nine teams representing representing our sport in this competition. We, can, we must not forget that. Yeah. So, what about the global development? What about involving other countries? What about fomenting hockey in, in different sides of the world? Uh, so, a lot of questions that they are there to answer, but a lot of answers that can only unveil. Uh, with some more time, I, I, I suppose, because, as you said, uh, this is still a, a kind of a better version of, of this concept, so uh, we, we, we should all be here to support and to, to understand what we can do better. But I would just like to, to, to say that we, we don't have uh, endless 
time or endless credits to try out and fail. And that is my only concern on this. But okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Let's give it a couple of months. Let's see how it uh, matches with with the Olympic Games next year. Because, in the other hand, if the players really love it and really enjoy it, it is it is a, a big part of the concept. So let's see now uh, how it goes. I would not say how it ends, but how it goes. <laughs> totally pro league we're talking the hockey FIH pro league that is and me John Lee is talking to Bernardo Fernandez and while we've got you here Bernardo you you are the founder of Self Pass and uh, Self Pass is known for the tricksters and um, all little fiddly things that can be done with a hockey stick and a hockey ball and you must have been absolutely stoked to have seen the uh, the goal at EPO the, for the uh, the final the tournament winning goal in the penalty shootout from the young Korea, or the, the Korean captain there. Wow, 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 wow! Well, I was for sure I was amazed, but I think who wasn't right? Yeah, I think everybody was so excited about that. Uh, so yeah, fantastic to see a player that dares to to perform that in, in such a crucial moment, in such a decisive moment, in, in the last shootout of a final. So uh, couldn't couldn't be a very a better a better story, I think. If we if we would write this script we wouldn't make it so exciting. <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm happy for, for several reasons of course. Uh, well you mentioned self pass and uh, as much as we, we try to have a well intentioned uh, uh, purpose in our project and we just try to have some fun and, and inspire kids and we try to do some crazy stuff or entertaining stuff um, you know it, it is still ironic or fun that sometimes I listen that uh, kids they are trying too hard to do some tricks and they forget <laughs> to play uh, simple or basic or yeah. whatever that is uh, uh, it is fun because, in one hand, everybody likes to say out loud that want people, uh, kids, to to have fun, and want children to to enjoy their game and, uh, and everything like that. Um, but still, if the if the children start to try to do some trick or try to dribble their opponent, <laughs> people uh, still criticize and say that they are trying to do self-pass stuff instead of playing normal hockey. Uh, so. It is ironic. Before I would, I would be a bit. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't understand her. I would be a bit. Uh, I, w- I would. I don't say annoyed, but I would. I, I wouldn't understand why why people <laughs> would say that because uh, in my understanding we we always have a positive and well-intentioned uh, uh, purpose with with the stuff we do. Uh, but now it is somehow ironic or, or it's at least funny to, to see that uh, a lot of the, the most exciting goals that you see going around on the internet <laughs> are always exciting, uh, creative uh, goals with a lot of creativity, tricks or, or some stuff that before y- you wouldn't see or you wouldn't appreciate. So 
it, it is fun. It was fun for us to see that because, of course, we do. We 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 already filmed some shootouts and we try to do some crazy stuff. In our perception, it was crazy, but the captain of uh, South Korea did it now, and in the end, it was crazy, but was also competent. So it is also a nice message for everyone that tries something different because if you can be competent and if you can give it a, a touch of fantasy or creativity and, and be more entertainment, why not? Uh, that's why that's why make this shootout so special because if it was just a running and, and shot, I am pretty sure that this video wouldn't go as viral as it went. I, I don't know if you're aware, John, but this video were all over the world. I mean, in, in different sports, social media channels, uh, even uh, very famous uh, newspapers, they were um, showing this this clip. And I think that is fantastic for, for our sport that we, finally we had a small breakthrough because we might think different, but our sport is not so popular out there, you know, besides our, our own circles and then our own countries that were okay as a certain culture so what this is what we need right we need exposure and if it is in, in an exciting way even better i would say so we yeah, are very very excited very happy for for him uh, and yeah i'm very happy for for the game as well and i hope this stimulates people to to try uh, something different because if you think from a game perspective, even from a high-performance perspective, we see that teams and individual, they have developed their individual and collective defensive skills uh, very much in the last year. So if you, if you take the, the World Cup final, men's, and last December, Argentina, uh, sorry, Netherlands against Belgium, highly creative teams, but these teams are so well-prepared and are so well-trained uh, and they are so solid uh, defensively that creativity or one against one capacities are very important to uh, unlock uh, situations to solve some problems. So, and uh, coincidence or not, the World Cup final was solved in a one against one situation in a shootout, yeah. right? So, it might be a coincidence, or I might come up with a theory that nowadays. Uh, one against one or creativity are as important as ever so uh, yeah try try to develop your skills try to, to develop your creativity and, and and now I will use a cliche but have fun playing the game so uh, so yeah very happy very happy for the situation very happy for him and very happy for the game to to, to have this uh, this clip going uh, massively around uh, around the world. I think it's we would need a couple of them, a couple of these clips for sure. It will, can, could only help us. Well, hopefully we might see a bit of uh, that magic coming out in the next few days because we've actually got some games coming up in about six hours' time as we record this uh, this podcast. <laughs> so hopefully I'll get it out before they at least start. Um, uh, first up, a couple of games in Belgium. The Belgian men and women are in action. The uh, the women taking on the US. That's the early game um, at 8 to 6.30 p.m. Uh, local time. And then the men are on at 8.30 p.m. local time playing Spain. And at uh, 
at the same time the Netherlands are taking on China well at the same time the women's are playing the Belgian women the Netherlands women are taking on China uh, that game's on at 18.45 I've read three different times for that particular game and I've I'm going, I'm going with 18.45, so 6.45pm 6, 6 local time mm-hmm. in the Netherlands. That's all coming up in the next few hours. And then on Saturday, uh, the Netherlands are taking on Spain in the men's. That game being played at 6pm local time in the Netherlands. And on Sunday, another three games underway. Uh, Argentina will be back in action at home against New Zealand. The women's game getting underway at 6pm and the men's game is the early game at 4pm. And uh, the Netherlands women will be back in action against the US at home and that game getting underway at 4pm Netherlands time. So we're going to be seeing a little bit of Belgium and the Netherlands in the next few days and um, I'm sure they're, they're both keen to uh, cement their positions on the table. Bernardo, do you, uh, do you see the European teams dominating the next portion of the season? Um, well, you see, um, regarding to these matches you, 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 you mentioned, I think... Uh, uh, well, but the, the European teams, uh, for instance, Netherlands against China, I think they, they are for sure Netherlands is the favourite. Uh, I think Belgium against USA will be uh, for sure a very interesting match. But uh, I think in, in general, if you see to the, if you watch uh, the stands, both uh, uh, women and, and and men, there is a clear stand for European teams, although. You see in the woman, Australia is in the top. Um, oh, sorry, you see in the in the, uh, in the woman that Argentina is in the top, and Australia is in the top four. Now, now only looking to the top four. Uh, but I think again, getting back to the, my one previous point, I think the club uh, scenario in the in the Europe, it is an advantage for the, the European teams and also. Um, the fact that uh, the majority of the, the, the European teams they are uh, they have it's easier for them to have their national team players uh, uh, gathered and to train with them. So uh, if you look in the in the last couple of years uh, in the international uh, major events, the European the European teams were for sure uh, in a very good position. So. Um, there's still uh, a long uh, year to go in terms of pro league matches. So, John, I'm, I'm not that good in, in <laughs> prognostics, but um, I think I think I think uh, there's still a lot to, to go on, especially if you look to the men's side. Netherlands, uh, for sure, uh, has uh, some important match coming up because now they are they are actually. Uh, in the in the sixth position, so uh, they for sure want and need to be in the top four, especially because the final four will be in in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. So there's still a lot, uh, hopefully, going on in the in the coming months. But I, I would, if you want some prediction, I think in in the men's side, I think Australia and uh, Belgium would be among the strongest teams, and I think in the women, for sure, Argentina in the Netherlands will be. The, the strongest teams in the end of this this year. Yeah, that's my prediction. Look, Bernardo, thank you very much for joining us on Totally Pro League this week. It's always yeah. good to chat uh, hockey with you. Um, yeah. I always enjoy it. Uh, good luck as well with uh, not only self pass but with the coaching. Um, yeah. 
because uh, I know you do a lot of work with the, on the coaching side of things, and you're a very busy man, Bernardo. Very busy. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that, that is true. That is true. I need to learn how to 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 balance uh, things because everything that is regarding hockey, I'm immediately passionate and enthusiastic. But maybe I, I'm 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 involved in too many things at the moment, so I need to find some space. But okay, when when something nice and cool about hockey calls me, I I, I can't say no. So that is some, that is a skill that I need to develop for sure. But well, thank you very much, John, for for having me in your in your podcast, and then, and I really appreciate uh, all the effort and dedication you do uh, for for the game, because in the end we are a couple of. of, of of few that uh, want to do stuff that are passionate about the game and we want to do some cool innovative stuff so I really appreciate uh, it was uh, it was a pleasure for me to be here chatting with you look no problems at all Bernardo <laughs> had a great time always enjoy your company and we will look forward to getting you back on perhaps a bit later on in the season when things start heating up a little bit that is Totally Pro League for this week join us again next week we'll have all the action from this weekend's games, looking ahead and anything else that's gone on in the Pro League. Bye for now.